This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. The return to work, what should we call it, a movement, I guess, a movement, uh, it continues, not without friction. As you know, we heard from the head of a public sector union representing Canada Revenue Agency staff. They're threatening to strike over, at least in part, the mandate from the feds to get back to the office and it's only two or three days a week. They're not saying you have to go back full time, but still, uh, there are other issues, but that's the one that seems to have tipped them over the edge, and now they're going to be taking a strike vote at the end of the month. Um, the pushback starts with, why? We've been working remotely for a couple of years now, and everything was just fine. But we're learning more about the potential downsides to some of those things that we used, and let's be honest, helped us through a really, really tough time, including virtual meetings and all that sort of stuff. It, it was a godsend. But... Is it better or is it better to be in office? Let's find out some of the downsides here. We're going to chat with Guillaume Dumas. Uh, Guillaume, thanks so much for joining us. I appreciate you being here. Hi. Thanks for having me. So you took a, a real deep dive into the effectiveness of this online communication that we all relied on so heavily. Uh, a really high-tech approach to tell us how you went about studying this. So with colleague in Israel, we were like uh, recording people during face-to-face interaction or during... Uh, video conferencing and we were recording their brain activity while they were doing that and uh, basically we show that uh, during the video conferencing people get less in sync and even their brain actually uh, is less in sync with each other so like uh, to be on the same wavelength so to say uh, is less effective uh, on um, online meetings okay so you're not you, you weren't just doing surveys you weren't just talking to people this was you're actually doing physiological studies on people. Exactly, yeah. So really brain recordings, like uh, the technology called EEG, electroencephalography. So we record brain uh, electric activity. And uh, for more than 10 years in my lab, we have been studying uh, a new phenomenon called interbrain synchronization. So basically when people are interacting socially, their brain gets in sync. So the brain activity resonates and uh, are on the same wavelength, so to say. And that doesn't and happen when they're talking virtually. It happens, but at a less level. Gotcha. Okay. Level. Yeah. And and exactly. what what's the the net impact of that? What effect does that have on the people that you studied? What do they do? They notice it? Do they feel different? What's the end result? So that's that's a good question. So th- th- there is like a verbal report of uh, loss of connections with others and. Uh, a degradation of the, the the quality of the interaction on uh, video conferencing. Uh, here we focused on the, the brain activity, but the the, the part more uh, with verbal report was already studied with, with psychologists. Here, like the the guess is that to say that proving that there is an effect on the the deep uh, mechanisms at the physiological level at the brain level could have also impact on brain development. So like that leads to uh, an additional element for Zoom fatigue phenomenon, so why people are, are experiencing uh, increased fatigue with this online meeting compared to previous face-to-face meetings, but also kind of warning, so we need to be cautious uh, because we don't have 
a clue yet how on the long term uh, using this kind of uh, um, technology-mediated communication could impact the development of the social brain in infants and, and children. Yeah, I mean, just in terms of what are we missing out on in terms of communication? We know that not all communication is verbal, and you're right. When you're speaking with somebody, you're, you're picking up on signals and things like that. So are we missing part of the message, I guess? Sure. So we are missing uh, part of the nonverbal cue that are essential when we are dealing with face-to-face meeting. Uh, in lab, for instance, we are also studying uh, psychotherapy, and with uh, COVID, a lot of psychotherapy and telemedicine has been uh, uh, highly developed. But uh, uh, clinician report that it's way harder to maintain, for instance, uh, a clinical alliance with clients on a video conference for psychotherapy, for instance. So there are a lot of things that are not only purely based on the the, the vision and the audio. So that's one thing. And the second thing is uh, this interbrain synchronization. We are talking about uh, latency also. Like when we are discussing on phone, we have less latency uh, usually than on Internet uh, and even less uh, during face-to-face uh, meeting. There is almost no latency in that case. Mm-hmm. But over Internet, because it goes through the Wi-Fi router, yeah. servers, and so on, there is always this kind of, 50 milliseconds to 100 milliseconds latency on those uh, video conferencing services. And this little latency, even if we don't notice it because it's very small, uh, mess up a bit with our brain timing and all the dynamics that process information. And so that's exactly this uh, phenomenon of interbrain synchronization that is in this uh, range of dynamics that could um, actually account for this... uh, uh, annoying or tiring uh, aspect of interacting with people on, on the internet. It makes perfect sense. Makes me wonder though, Guillaume, what about kids? I mean, I've got teenage kids, right? Mm-hmm. I, I bet you 90% of the communication they do is done online in one capacity or another. Yeah. You know, I mean, that, that seems to be what a lot of young people do these days. What, what's the mm-hmm. risk that they're facing from that? Well, I, I think like a lot of the communication online for uh, teenagers, for instance, is mostly text-based, there's some video, but uh, it's more like asynchronous. Here, it was really associated with the face-to-face and uh, a live meeting where there is like really bi-directionality. Um, so I would say the, the problem is more like with very young kids where the brain is really in, in development and needs uh, uh, to be exposed to those non-verbal cues that I was talking about yeah. earlier. Uh, to learn how to deal with them. So, like, if they are not exposed to that, uh, after a certain period, the brain is not plastic as as much as before. So, when uh, we reach uh, uh, 18 to 20 years old, uh, it's it's not entirely lost uh, of hope, but uh, the brain is way less plastic. And, well, we should uh, maintain face-to-face and yeah. natural interaction in the early age, in a way. Absolutely. It makes perfect sense. Uh, Guillaume, thanks so much for your time. I appreciate you being here. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. (laughs) And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. 
<laughs> For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.